This is Arrowhead Pride Radio on 610 Sports Radio. Well, we got an intro. It's the real deal, guys. Welcome in Arrowhead Pride Radio. A couple of Sean's and a Pete with Sean Barber, former Kansas City Chief. And Arrowhead Pride's Pete Sweeney. I am the sports machine, Sean Levine. And for the next hour, we're talking all things red and gold. Guys, we actually got a little bit of football weather for us today. What's the craziest weather game you can ever remember, Arrowhead? Off the tip of my mind, it's not actually cold, it's rain. You guys remember that game in Seattle? Or I guess when Seattle came to Arrowhead? I want to say it was like a Monday night game. It was several years ago, and the joint was absolutely flooded. But they've had some cold games at that place. How about the recent game in the playoffs that had to be moved? Uh, They had to move the time of it, uh, and it was because of the rain. I I think it was because uh, against the Steelers, wasn't it? They had to move that game. On record, I want to say that's the coldest game. The 96 game versus the Colts was six below, which is actually on record as the third coldest game ever. Barber, did you ever play in some just nasty weather out there? Man, I'm going to tell you, I've been kind of like tuning myself out. Uh, When I'm on that field, I kind of tune everything out. I focus on... Just getting to that ball, playing defense. I, I don't even remember it being like anything but perfect weather every game for. Were 10 you no undershirt guy? Were I'm, you whatever the weather? I'm just going to go out there and show off the guns. You know, sometimes I had sleeves, but my sleeves wasn't because it was cold. It's because the certain surfaces um, prevent rug burns and then cuts. Uh, here was, we go. Yeah, I was there protecting myself from, from from getting cut up and stuff like that. So it wasn't about the weather. Uh, I, I oil myself up, grease myself up, go out there, let the guns show. Get you ready for the gun show every, yeah. every layering Sunday. Up, layering up is the way to go, certainly, with the hoodie. We'll get into, certainly, yes, Pete, more weather situation as the show rolls on. Did you, Sean, oil up the arms? Is that what he said? He oils I, up? Yeah, oil up. What? Yeah, yeah. What is this, wrestling? Is that intimidation? Is Straight that an intimidation Vaseline, them, them guns up, man. Like, I, had, I I didn't want nobody touching me. I didn't want offensive linemen grabbing my arms. Truth be told, Pete, I did that before the show. <laughs> so, I mean, just to be real with you guys, and I do that before every show. <laughs> You know who's probably oiling up? Who's that? Oh, man. Patrick Mahomes. And I'll tell you why. This week, Executive Airshare announces a partnership with Mahomes. 22-year-old kid locks up a deal. This is Mr. No Endorsements, mind you. You know, it's his rookie year. It's sophomore year, baby. He locks up an endorsement with Executive Airshare to get his family from Tyler, Texas to the games. If you're not familiar with wrestling... You may still know who Ric Flair was. Flair is. I mean, Ric Flair is a legend. A lot of. I mean, Travis Kelsey had a Ric Flair celebration. I think a game in San Francisco. A Quick couple question years back. and totally serious. Is Rick, is he still with us? He's still alive. Yeah, yeah. I saw had him. a little scare last year. I was just. I, I remember that he still was kind ticking. of on the edge. He's still wooing. <laughs> still wooing. Okay. <laughs> and speaking of that, Mahomes signing this private jet deal reminds me exactly of Ric Flair. You're talking to the Rolex. Wearing diamond ring, wearing kiss stealing, woo, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! I was always more of a Scott Steiner guy myself. Oh my gosh! Man, I love the Ric Flair man. All you gotta do is walk that out, baby. That's what we tell everybody. Come on down. All you gotta do is walk that out. You want a piece of him? I like that Patrick Mahomes has a little swagger off the field now, and I'm bringing the family to and from Texas on, the, and it says. 
in the release that he's allowed to use the private jet. Yeah, you're 22, but you're the king of Kansas City. You might as, be, might as well be riding in style. I like that. Is he already the king of Kansas City? I think he's the prince of Kansas City. Hopefully he's not the check down prince. You Three know? years ago, we would have had... <laughs> I like that. Three, four years ago, this would have been a hell of an argument. You know, we'd have Hosmer, we'd have Salvi, but the Royals, um, they're not very good at baseball this year. I think he already might be the king of Kansas City. Salvi's the man. No when, question. But when you're not winning... Can you really be the man? The official quote from Patrick Mahomes, I'm proud to be associated with a growing local company and executive air share. So this is a Kansas City thing also, right? So we're talking They have a partnership with the Chiefs that was announced, I believe, a few weeks ago. And then this was, you know, quickly followed up by Mahomes and he's gonna be doing a lot of marketing for them. And and it seems like He's just going to be able to get free private jet jet rides. Talk and, about an endorsement out the gate. Some guy's got jerseys. Some guy's got <laughs> shoes. This dude's got jets. The thing about it is because it's just, you know, the marketing share, it's not like he's buying a private jet. If he doesn't play well, say goodbye to that jet. You better be playing. If you want to stay, you know, riding in style, you better continue to play well. I mean, I'm not worried about that, but just a lot of swag for this 22-year-old kid. No question about it. Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride, former Kansas City Chief Sean Barber, Julio Sanchez on the buttons. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. It's Arrowhead Pride Radio taking you up until 7 o'clock. Coming up in about five minutes, we're going to bring on uh, Kent Swanson, our film analyst who does the breakdown better than anybody else. And he's going to talk specifically about Sammy Watkins because I think, guys, there's no excuse for him, at least statistically, not to have by far his biggest season ever. You look at the numbers, 25 touchdowns in four seasons, a little bit underwhelming, eight touchdowns last year. To me, there's no reason just because of all the weapons around this guy that he's not at minimum a double-digit touchdown score. You know, there's only one football, though. That's that's the thing that's going to be different. Touche. You only have so many offensive plays per game. Is Watkins going to be that odd man out where he gets eight or 900? Ken will have some more stuff on that. I do want to stick with Mahomes for a second, though. We have a, a, an ability at ArrowheadPride.com. If you want to write your own article, it's called Submitting a Fan Post. I thought we had a great one today uh, from a writer called 15 Chiefs Fan. It'd be nice if we, we could get names on these fan posts as well. But he looked at the last 20 years, and there have been 53 quarterbacks taken in the first round of the NFL draft. Of, of those 53 uh, that were first-round quarterbacks. Only eight of them sat a full season before taking over the full-time starting gig. And, you know, this fan did the research. You know, I edited it up. We threw it on there today. A lot of people read it. And what he found, he or she, I guess, it could be a she as well. We don't, yeah. we don't know the gender of this person. What he or she found was that Mahomes probably, given the talent around him, given what he's working with, compares to Carson Palmer in 2004 or Dante Culpepper in 2000. Palmer around him had Chad Johnson, Rudy, Rudy Johnson, T.J. Uzmanzada, and Culpepper around him had Randy Moss, Chris Carter, and Robert Smith. So it's a little bit comparable to the weapons. Sean, you were in the league at this time. Do you see Mahomes kind of relating to, to these two guys in particular? Yeah, that 2000 season, I remember it. Uh, you know, I was a third, a second, third-year guy at Washington, just became a starter. And I'd come in and see uh, Randy Moss and Chris Carter and Robert Smith, like you said. But also, you know you know what they had? They had a Pro Bowl, two, two Pro Bowlers on the offensive line. Uh, Burke and then the offensive tackle was a Pro Bowler too. So that offensive line wasn't shabby, giving them the protection, letting them throw the ball down the field. That offense is going to remind us a lot of what we see here at Arrowhead, that down-the-field vertical threat, uh, vertical stretch, 
Uh, every damn uh, running back out the backfield, shifty, make a miss. That's Robert Smith. That's what he did. He made people miss all the time, and he was always a threat on third down coming out the backfield. I forgot that Palmer had so many Johnsons around him. I mean, <laughs> but you talk about a combination of Randy Moss and Chris Carter. I'm not ready to go there yet, Pete. I think this offense can be great. I think that this offense can be historically great by Chiefs standards. But do we really think that the Chiefs combination, at least when you're talking about wideouts, are that talented already? I'm not talking Hall of Fame. I think that'd be crazy to do. But when you talk about elite in the NFL, I consider Travis Kelsey the top tight end. I consider Tyreek Hill one of the top five wide receivers. To me, it's similar. I mean, I understand way, ways away from calling a Tyreek Hill, even a Travis Kelsey a Hall of Famer. But what I'm saying is this offensive firepower, it's comparable to Culpepper and what he had. And he ended up finishing with 33 touchdowns and 16 picks. Guys, the Rams led the league with 29.9 points per game. Let's jump on our hot tub time machine and go back to week one if we can. Because you guys remember this? I see. I see. I'm, I'm going to see the Chiefs averaging about 35 points a game this year. Uh, 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 Sean Barber say what? You've had now a week to chew on that. 35 points a game. And I've got the numbers here for the all-time best offenses in league history. All right. You still sticking with that? Give me, give me the numbers so I can tell you where they fit in. Give me the numbers. 2013 Denver Broncos, 37.9 points per game. That was Manning's first year there. The okay. 07 Patriots, that was Randy Moss, 37 points per game. Okay. And then you go to a couple of Aaron Rodgers in 2011, the Patriots in 2012. That Randy Moss team that we just talked about with Chris Carter in 1998, 35 points per game. You think that we're talking that kind of family with this Chiefs offense? Oh, definitely. I thought you was about to scare me, like, you know, saying those guys were like 29, 28. So they're, they're right in the same ballpark. 38's best all time. Oh, yeah, we're not going to, like I said, some games we'll get up to 38. Some things we'll get 45. But on average, you know, I got to average, I got to throw a couple 30 games in there, a couple 30s, a couple 30s. On the low end? On the low end. When things go wrong. Barbara, we got to shake you. No, I'm thinking out of 16 games, I would say the Chiefs are going to end up with 30 points, like, maybe three times. <laughs> At the at the at the max three three out of th- three out of the sixteen they'll end up with thirty points. Every, everything after that is going to be uh, north of thirty. I love he's going down with the ship, and maybe the ship's not going down. Maybe I'm the one who's wrong. Well, he's the king of positivity. That's that's why. Touche. That's why. If the Chiefs are going to put up those historic numbers, historic, they're going to need some big seasons out of, as we said, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Sammy, and Travis Kelsey, and to talk about what all of these weapons can do for a guy like Travis Kelsey. We're going to bring on Ken Swanson. Ken Swanson is the head of film analysis for Arrowhead Pride. He'll do several things for us throughout the week, including building Patrick Mahomes' offense. He has a nice series called Lottery Tickets. Recently, Kent, you got to talk uh, or you got to use something that we had exclusively for Arrowhead Pride, which was a quote from Travis Kelsey, and, and break it down over film. Before you even even go into that, I'm going to read the quote from Kelsey. When there's a single high safety on the outside, they know they have help over the top and middle. That means the safety in the middle has to go extremely far back when you're dealing with Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill. From that point, it's trying to keep a cap on the defense where Tyreek is clearly running and taking the top off the defense. What it does is it opens up the field in the middle and underneath all those routes. So, Mike, first question to you, Kent, is you dove into the film after hearing this from Kelsey. Do you think given now that he has Watkins and Hill, he's up for probably the biggest year of his career? Uh, Either him or or one of them. They're going to have to take someone away, right? And 
you know, I think, you know, what what's happened is if you if you look at if you look at the first five weeks of what the Chiefs did on offense in 2017, they were stretching the field vertically. They were stressing defenses. And they were dictating things, and that allowed them to get into a lot of their, you know, some of their motions and stuff, the shifts, their motions, kind of moving people all over the field. It was stressing defenses out, and they were they were playing a little timid. So, um, yeah, there, there's going to be someone that's going to have a big season. I would not be surprised at all if it's Travis Kelsey, which is terrifying because he is just a dynamic weapon, and getting him in the middle of the field with space is going to help a young quarterback. Would you say, Kent, that heading into the season, he's already supplanted Gronk as the best tight end? And a second part to that question, for some reason, he's only good, not great in the red zone. He's got all the assets that you would want for a guy that's just one of the elite red zone players in the league, but he's just okay. Do you think he'll be much better at that this year with the additional weapons? Yeah, I think think Travis Kelsey's already in that conversation. He might wind up being the best tight end in the NFL in 2018 and it's partially just because you know he can be moved all over the place he's basically a receiver and uh, now you've given him more room to work with the freedom to kind of win the middle of the field and in in the red zone you know I think um, you know I think teams know he is the guy to try to take away in the red zone and and Alex Smith was kind of a guy that was always relatively risk averse he's not a guy that's gonna put the ball up in a tight window to try to force a ball to one of his best players very often. Yeah. So I think, you know, Alex was probably a guy that was trying to take the safer options and, and try to win a, a, a more favorable matchup when it comes to space. Uh, Pat's the kind of guy I think he's going to probably try to challenge some tight windows, try to get Travis Kelsey some more productivity. Ken, recently on Hourhead Pride, you went into, and I'm going to say it here, everyone, everyone brace themselves, the Tennessee Titans game. And oh. I asked you to take a look at that film, and it was clear from that game that Travis Kelsey was the most important player. What did you learn uh, from diving deep into, again, a shudder with me, that playoff loss? Well, you know, I mean, it, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, the, the, the Travis Kelsey loss was, was the big factor in why they did not wind up winning that game. I know the defense had their struggles late, but... You know, Kelsey being able to close out some, you know, close out some, you know, third downs and, and keep some possession would have been a huge help. They were lining him up all over the place. Uh, he was the one that was motioning uh, a, a large amount of the time early on in the game because you know a lot of teams try to t- try to key on him. Um, they're they're focused on keeping him from from going off, and the Titans didn't do a good job of that because you know Travis Kelsey was moving, lining up all over the field, winning at different depths. Uh, taking people with them, creating space for others, um, kind of the inverse of what the, the piece I wrote about uh, this week was. You know, they, these all got all these guys are going to play off each other. Uh, he's a huge piece of what they're going to do, and if they can create more space with him with these vertical stretches outside, it's going to be a problem. Ken, that is music to Chiefs fans' ears. Before we let you go, your most recent lottery ticket of a name Chiefs fans don't know is Robert McRae. When you dove into Robert McRae on the film this week, what do the Chiefs potentially have in this kid? Uh, a very dense athletic freak. His his athletic testing was was rare. Uh, he he compared favorably to a guy named Harold Landry who went in the top forty picks. Only this guy is uh, Robert McRae, six two, two hundred eighty pounds, not two hundred fifty pounds. Um, he's a dynamic athlete. He's kind of played inside and outside. 
Uh, he's 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 listed as an outside linebacker uh, on the Chiefs roster. So if you know if they're going to give him a chance to kind of play on the edge, I think there's a lot to work with and develop there. Some athleticism, some flexibility. Uh, there's there's some intriguing traits there. He may not be a a, a right away contributor, but uh, he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on, and, and maybe they can develop him into a, a strong edge. Ken Swanson of Arrowhead probably will talk to you next week, brother. I think so. That was a great point he made, Pete, about because I always thought that it was. I always put it on Travis Kelsey, but I guess, you know, it's the easy thing to do. Blame it on Alex Smith, but he's actually right. I, Alex Smith was not much of a risk taker. I think that maybe his numbers, now that I think about it, will go up because Patrick Mahomes is going to take those shots. The fans can't see this today, but Sean Barber came in rocking the Alex Smith jersey. And and you haven't updated that with the Redskins yet, Sean. <laughs> no, yeah, I can't wait no Redskins stuff no more. Once they, <laughs> once they kicked me out the building and told me that my uh, skill set wasn't the direction they were going, uh, as, a, as, a, as a young player, uh, I vow never to wear risk and stuff again. Alex Smith, gone. Sammy Watkins, here. We'll talk about what we think he's going to do next year. And there's a chief that made opposite headlines on the same day. What are we talking about? We'll tell you next right here on Arrowhead Bride Radio, 610 Sports Radio. You keep your mouth shut, I'm going to go in and slap your face. Woo, 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 woo. Well, tonight's the NBA draft. I don't know who's going to go in the top five, but I came up with my top five most important Chiefs heading into 2018. We'll debate that a little bit further along in the show. Welcome back into Arrowhead Pride Radio, along with former Kansas City Chief Sean Barber and Arrowhead Pride's Pete Sweeney, sports machine Sean Levine. Pete, Arrow Headlines? For those of you, again, who, uh-huh. are, who are new to Arrowhead Pride and what we do, arrowheadpride.com, every morning, I wake up, crack a dawn, and I, and I just look on the web. I use the internet, as they say. And I find everything that happened over the last 24 hours. Is this pre-coffee or post-coffee or you a no-coffee? The first move is hop out of bed, 10, 10 jumping jacks. No way. Get the blood flowing. Really? That's right. I haven't done 10 jumping jacks in 10 years. Barber, well, coffee or no coffee? Oh, it's coffee. For sure, right? Early, like five five thirty in the morning. If Jack- you're up that early, you got to do something. Jack's, yeah. Jack's first. Then coffee. Really? No, I'm definitely coffee, no jacks. That's my move. <laughs> Maybe some apple jacks. Absolutely. So anyway, after I, after I do the jacks, after I get the coffee going, I search the web, I get all the headlines having to do with Chiefs over the last 24 hours. And something happened interesting Wednesday for on our head, headlines. Two very different headlines for the same player. NFL.com came out with an article projecting one future first-time 2018 Pro Bowler for each AFC team. Then Bleacher Report, NFL players trying to avoid the bust label in 2018. Same information, same statistics, same player. One article on the same day says this could be a future Pro Bowler. The other one says this player is trying to avoid the bust label. Who was it? We've already talked about him. Sammy Watkins. No surprise to me, honestly, because this guy, it's not even like his career has been really up and down. It's just the expectations that a guy has when he's drafted top five, right? When he looks as good as that guy does in a jersey, when he had the college numbers that he had, and the expectations are sky high, 
He's only played one full season when you talk about 16 full games, and that was his rookie year, 982 yards for the Bills to go along with six touchdowns. You could say he had a career year last year where he had, quote-unquote, eight touchdowns. I guess that's not the quote-unquote, but he had eight touchdowns to go along with 593 yards. So I just think that the numbers will be significantly bigger, if not just because of Sammy Watkins, because of what Sammy Watkins has around him. It's 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 because he's top five that he's considered potentially a bust. You know, the Bills took him in fourth overall pick. Traded up to get him. Back in 2014. So you're a fourth overall pick. You have expectations that go along with it. And the reason why I think, you know, more pro bowler than bust is because now he's a role player. And I think that's why Brett Veach went out and got him. It's because, okay, we can take this elite talent and finally, finally take the pressure off. And Barber... When, when the pressure's off you and you have elite talent, you're, you're much better off, right? Yeah, it's like that goldfish. You know, you put him in that big old tank and he ends up tripling, <laughs> quadrupling in size. And you're like, what's happening? Man, you adapt to your environment. He gets in this pass-happy offense and he actually has a quarterback that can throw the ball more than 25 yards down the field. And he's not in the offense where they give the ball to the running back every other down. I mean, we're going to see we're gonna see Sammy Watkins' uh, show improve. I mean, he has, like you say, his elite-level elite skill set. Gets involved in the offense that actually is going to feature him the ball Give him eight to ten targets a game. We're going to see this man be put up Pro Bowl numbers. Now, Machine, I put up a poll on OurHeadPride.com. Uh-huh. What's more likely for Chiefs wide receiver Sammy Watkins in 2018, Pro Bowler or bust? 825 votes from Chiefs fans. What do you think the percentage was on that? It's got to be pretty split. I'm going to say I'm going to say 420 for the bust. 94 yeah, percent they're a positive people, these kansas cityans one 1000 yard season for sammy watkins that was the year that he had 60 receptions he's never had more than 65 in a season and pete real quick just to take you to task a role player making 18 million dollars a year really it's what it is it's what it is because when he was announced on the chiefs andy reed was asked is this going to be the guy and they said Tyree Kill's going to stay in his Z, your number one position. And, and I mean, these receivers go all over the place for Andy Reid, so that's a little bit, you know, undecided. That's going to totally dictate itself. To say that anybody right now is the number one offensive weapon for this team is being a fool because who knows if Kareem Hunt is going to perform year two the way he did in year one. Who knows if Sammy Watkins is going to be that juggernaut that we hope he is with all the talent around him. And I have sky-high expectations for Tyreek Hill. You remember a guy like Antonio Brown who's got a similar body type. We're always hesitant as NFL fans to call that guy the best receiver in the league because he looks like that. It's easier to say Calvin Johnson or Des Bryant, dudes like that. I think that Tyreek Hill this year heading into the season is a top five, top six wide receiver. Well, if you're sitting around here with pencil and paper and you can't even figure out who you're going to stop, what do you think a defense going to do? What is the defense coordinator going to do? What, where is he going to tell the safeties to hedge to or tell the linebackers to keep eyes on or uh, uh, tell the D-line, hey, let, let's get after that quarterback, but you got to play the run on the way to the quarterback. And then they give up 150 yards against the run to, um, to Kareem uh, Hunt. It, it's, it is what it is. It, there are elite weapons all over the field. We have a guy who can actually get the ball and deliver it uh, consistently down the field. I mean, I want to say Katie Barty Gates. I think what's the man? <laughs> Katie Barty Gates, 40 points. Here we go. Nobody wants to talk about it because it's not exciting. But is the offensive line going to be at least good enough, Pete, with all these weapons? I'm worried about the offensive line. Oh. I, I'm, I had five hot takes from, from OTAs and – you have Cam Irving at center right now. I don't think Mitch Morse is right, and they weren't clear that he'd be back for training camp. I think Cam Irving's going to be a good guy at center, and they don't even know who they're going to be playing at left guard. You know, it came out with ESPN, Chiefs Digest. We reported on it as well. 
Parker Anger and Ryan Hunter, an undrafted free agent, are sharing the left guard position right now. They don't know who's going to play left guard. I think that's a bigger concern than people realize. And let me tell you something. Tell me. If, and I'm going to knock on all the wood because I don't want this to happen, if by chance the Chiefs have to start Chad Henney a game, I think he's a great dude. They're going to lose that game. You just maybe want to crack open a beer. Speaking of beer, we'll get to the beer of the week here in just a second with our guy Craig Stout. Craig, uh, here we here we have our weekly segment, the defense and beer of the week. We we spent thirty minutes talking about offense. I know you're probably trying to rip your hair out by this point. Ha, no, I'm doing good. I'll sit and listen to talk about Pat all day long. Even though I'm a defensive guy, I'm here for Pat too. So, of course, the Chiefs run the 3-4, but what I found found intriguing from you this week at OurHeadPride.com is, you know, that's not typically Bob Sutton's pre- preferred formation, and, and I did say Lord Voldemort's name, Bob Sutton, but that's not typically uh, the formation he likes to go to. Can you just give us a little bit more insight on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, the NFL's a passing league. That's not a big breakthrough announcement that I'm giving or anything like that, but... Bob Sutton does everything that he does based off of offensive personnel. And because the NFL is a passing league, a lot of times offenses are putting three wide receivers on the field. When that happens, Bob Sutton almost always will go to a 2-3-6 defense or a 2-4-5 defense. Now that's two defensive linemen, two pass rushers, an inside linebacker, and then an assortment of safeties and corners in the back, usually three and three. And when that happens, you know, the Chiefs are lighter and easier to run on, but they're also much stronger against the pass. And as I've been going through all of this stuff, I found that the 3-4 defense, the Chiefs are running less than 30% of the time. You know, we call it the base defense out of everything, but – in reality, it's not being run all that often. Yeah, it's a new NFL. The 3-4 base really isn't the base defense anymore. It's it's the one with two defensive linemen on the field. I found that very interesting. Another thing you did this week, you dove into the Chiefs' worst defensive performance last year, and that was, of course, the dreaded New York Jets game. What did you find uh, taking a closer look at the film? Well, what I found is that the New York Jets game is almost exactly what I hear from Chiefs fans as the game that they want Bob Sutton to run. Bob Sutton blitzed the most that he did all season last year in the Jets game. Bob Sutton also didn't drop an outside linebacker into coverage very often in the Jets game. So they sent the house and they rushed Justin Houston a lot. That's what I hear all the time is Bob Sutton's greatest fault. And yet, you look at that game, and it was bad. It was poor execution, poor communication, uh, guys running free in the secondary. And then when they turned around the next week and played the Raiders, then all of a sudden they didn't blitz once. Craig, and what? they also didn't or dropped outside linebackers into coverage more often, and it was a better performance. So, so what is your overall level for concern for, the, for this defense heading into 2018? So basically put some numbers to it. What do you think is more likely? Do you think the Chiefs' offense finishes top five, or do you think this Chiefs' defense finishes in the bottom five of the league? Oh, more likely? I think uh, Chiefs' offense top five. I think the Chiefs' defense is going to be a top half of the league in every category statistic next year. 
even though the offense is going to be on the field, well, I should say the defense is going to be on the field a lot because an offense is going to be potentially historically good by Chiefs standards. Yeah, no, I and I think most of that is because they went out this offseason with a dedicated uh, commitment to going out and getting guys that can play in that sub-defense that I talked about earlier. You know, Dorian O'Daniel is a guy that they could sit on the field for every snap of the game because he can play the run and the pass equally as well, and he can also be out there with Reggie Ragland and Anthony Hitchens for some looks. You know, they, they've got lots of things that they can do with that defense, so even if they're going to be on the field more, I think they've got the horses now and the youth to where they're not going to tire out as much, and I think we'll see a more consistent performance throughout the course of the year. On night one that Dorian O'Daniel became a chief, Brett Feach said, look for him as a rookie on third down. So Craig has a point there. Craig, we talked enough defense. We want to hear it. What's the beer of the week? Okay, the beer of the week this week is a beer called Tropic King. It is by Funkworks out of Fort Collins, Colorado, and it is an Imperial Saison. 8%. It's a little cloudy. Not very hoppy, got hints of mango, pineapple, and it's got a little spice to it, some pepper and ginger in there as well. Very highly carbonated, very easily drinkable beer. Another great one for a summer day. I think I speak for 90% of the Arrowhead Pride radio listening audience. What the hell is Imperial Saison? <laughs> what what'd you say? Man, Stout, I, I thought you had me at mango and you lost me at spicy. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was with you for a while, brother. The palate was going to be introduced to too many things. Do you actually know what that means, though? No. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, Saison is uh, French for season. Uh, They brew a farmhouse ale. It's kind of a a wheat-based, cloudy beer that uses kind of a funky yeast to it, but it's uh, specifically out of regions of France that they used to brew it farmhouses back in the day the part that stuck out to me was the pineapple you know sometimes you're ordering pineapple pizza people i don't want pineapple in my pizza now it's in our beer yeah yeah it's just a hint of it though it's not gonna overwhelm the beer he heard the spicy and you heard the pineapple and i heard whatever that (laughs) french was uh to you craig i don't know what i just said it was eighth grade french coming back to me thanks so much man we'll talk to you next week coming up next on arrowhead pride radio let's take a deeper look at a guy that nobody talks about on the defense, but I think might be the most important player on that side of the ball. It's 610 Sports Radio. It's Arrowhead Pride Radio. NBA draft literally going down as we speak. The Phoenix Suns take DeAndre Ayton with the number one pick. But we're not talking hoops. We're talking football. It's Arrowhead Pride Radio right here on 610 Sports Radio with former Kansas City Chief Sean Barber and Pete Sweeney, sports machine Sean Levine, taking you up until 7 o'clock. Speaking of the top five, I don't know how it's going to shake out in the NBA, but I came up with my own list as far as important Kansas City Chiefs Heading into this season five through one. And I actually don't have, you'd be surprised, either of those wide receivers that we spoke about in the first couple of segments on this list. You can tell me that I'm crazy, guys. Here's my list. Number five, Travis Kelsey. Obviously, he's of paramount importance. And I think he supplants Gronk heading into this year as the best tight end in football. Number four, 
I'll go on the other side of the ball with Justin Houston because I feel like I just want to shake that guy. He's still got it in him. Not 22-and-a-half sack type season, but I think 14-15 type sack season. Number three, I've got Kareem Hunt because I hope that he's Ezekiel Elliott in year two, follows up year one. But we've seen a lot of guys taper off that sophomore season. Obviously, the paramount importance of Eric Berry coming back and coming back healthy. And number one, thank you, Captain Obvious, the rookie. Eh, second year, whatever the hell he is, Patrick Mahomes, number one most important player on this team in 2018. I would say... Shoot some holes in it, Pete. No, I don't hate it. Thank I think, you. I think Kelsey's the most important skill position player. I think we proved that earlier in the show. And then you, you know, for what it's worth, you came up with that list prior to... Justin Houston has a chance this year to get that swagger back that he had in that 2014 season where he almost broke the sack record, and Bob Sutton had him dropping back with one or two chances to oh, do it. That was I the worst. Vomited in my mouth every time. He'll be roaming. It. For the first time in his career, he, you may see him on the right side, uh, so I really like to see if that leads to more. And I think Kareem Hunt is a candidate, just based upon my feel and just the just his makeup, to take a step back. And, you know, you looked at what the Chiefs did – this offseason, there's a lot of names in that running back room. And Spencer Ware's hungry. Sure, Kendrick West is always hungry. You got seven different Williamses. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Only three. But still, you have three different Williamses. So, you know, look out, Kareem. Some people are probably going crazy driving their car off the road because I didn't bring up Tyreek Hill because I didn't bring up Sammy Watkins. But maybe should I have brought up a guy on the defensive side and Reggie Ragland? Reggie Ragland is going to be important uh, for this Chiefs defense on ArrowheadPride.com. We have Matt Lane started as a reader. This can happen at ArrowheadPride.com. It's the beauty, beauty of it. He started as a reader. His nickname was Kelsey's Crazies. Really enjoyed doing some scout work for us, especially around draft time. But now he's diving into the actual Chiefs. It's the Pro Scouting Series. This week was Reggie Ragland. Matt, you gave me 3,000 words on Reggie Ragland. I had to edit this week. Yes, but I gave you a warning that you were going to have a little bit of reading to do that morning, so it kind of balances out, right? <laughs> it was perfect. What did you find? Uh, whew, um, he is everything that anybody that watched football in the 90s wanted in a linebacker, and I think that's kind of gone out of style in a lot of people's minds since then, but I think it's going to end up working out perfectly for the Chiefs this year. Matt, we have a 90s linebacker in the room. <laughs> yeah, we do. So, so you're saying he's uh, me just reborn. He's like a phoenix rising out of the dust. That's the Sean Barber. Exactly. I mean, maybe not quite as good luck. Oh, definitely. Now we talking. Now you're my friend again. <laughs> now, one of the things you do with this pro scouting series, Matt, is you go deep until the, into the film and, and you rate the player based upon you know, what you've found uh, both in scoring and, and every aspect of a given player's game. And this is going to be a, a super important player for the Chiefs, especially now that Derek Johnson's not in the middle there. Do you think he has what it takes to lead this defense in, in one of the most critical parts of the 3-4? I really do. Comparing him specifically to DJ, because that's who he's replacing, this point is his career compared to DJ coming out of Texas. He's ahead of him as far as just reading what an offense is doing whether it's run, pass, where the ball's going, he's always going the right direction. He's rarely taking false steps in the wrong direction. That's kind of what you said. I'm going in pretty deep here, and that's why you end up getting 3,000 words on somebody. (laughs) We're working in for all the little details, and I mean, he does all the little things well. Matt, I would say last year, at least from my perspective, Reggie Raglan was the guy that I had expectations for, but he definitely outlived them. I mean, he was way better than I ever expected him to be. 
Is there a guy on this defense that you see breaking out of his mold this year that by season's end people are going to go, wow, that guy was a whole lot better than I expected? I, okay, so I have a little bit of hope that Carmel Passigno is about to have a bigger year than what a lot of people think. I don't know a lot, but I've worked in the fitness industry for a while, and when a guy is as cut up as he was last year, he's going to be a little stiff. He looks a little bit, not, not thin by any means, but thinner than he did last year. I'm expecting him to look a little bit better than edge rusher coming off the sides. For what it's worth, at OTAs, the Chiefs had him because D. Ford wasn't able to do team drills. They had him, you know, getting getting a position where you know you may see him on the other side of Justin Houston this year. And I know that's music to the ears of you, Sean Barber. Yeah, uh, you know, I've been I've been uh, pulling for my A10 buddy, uh, fellow A10 Atlantic 10 guy, uh, the Rover from Villanova ever since he landed here in the kingdom. Coming off that edge, man, he got those long wingspan. I think he got an eight foot wingspan. You only got to get about five yards away from the quarterback to be able to reach him. So, Matt, before we let you go, who's next in the pro scouting series? We got the doctor coming up next. Who's that? LDT. Oh, LDT. The oh, the doctor. I'm like, I'm like, did you say something else? I thought he said something else. <laughs> the doctor, LDT. We're still on the radio. <laughs> He's Matt Lane. He does the pro scouting series. You can find that once a week at arrowheadpride.com. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thank you guys for having. Pete, you really think that we're going to see Justin? Because I, I see at least that level as pretty much set in stone right now with Houston and Hitchens and Raglan and D. Ford. I'm not saying I see it as an overall strength of the team or even an overall strength of the defense, but I guess I don't see as much shakeup as you do at that position. I don't know if there's going to be shakeup as far as outside linebackers, but there's just more options than last year. Don't forget, there was Frank Zombo at the end of last year taking meaning, meaningful snaps. I think Justin Houston's your main guy, but... What stood out to me is the linebackers coach, uh, Mike Smith, going up there and saying, we're not opposed to these guys roaming. And that's so different for Justin Houston because he's a guy who likes you know, playing on the left side. And now he realizes that, you know, maybe, you know, that left side of the offensive line you know, going, you know, the mirror direction may be weaker in some, for some teams. So let me attack that instead. As Mr. Positivity, Sean, what's your biggest concern on that side of the ball? Oh man, I mean, I didn't worry about Reggie Ragland. He's the he's a roll tide man. He's a the Alabama slammer should be his nickname. He brings that brings that funk on every run play. I mean, it has to be the uh, defensive backs, right? It has to be the um, you know when it comes to third down, being able to cover up the slot. I think Kendall Fuller's the man, though. I think I think that you know that's probably going to be one of the most important pickups we've had on our defense. Um, that trade for Alex Smith, uh, maybe that's why I wore the Alex Smith jersey today was to uh, to kind of em- emphasize how important. Uh, Fuller is going to be to our cornerback and our secondary. No, Kendall Fuller is another 22-year-old. Son of a gun! <laughs> that's that scared the hell out of me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I almost left the studio. I, I thought that was because that sounded a lot like my grandpa when he yells uh, at me in the middle of the night. It's just Rick Flair again, just chiming in. Uh, Jet flag, son of a gun! Oh, another man. 22-year-old who's cool, calm, and collected in Kendall Fuller, and that's on the other side of the ball. Putting a bow on this week's edition of Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney, former Kansas City Chief Sean Barber, Julio Sanchez on the buttons. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. Coming up next is the show with Ron Hughley and Sean Barber. Sean, what are you guys going to be talking sports tonight? Yeah, man, they couldn't get enough of me. Sports? Can't get enough of me. Going to have to bring me back for a little bit more. First, you were on the drive. Yeah. You do our show. Yeah. And now you're on the show. Keep it rolling. Keep the party going. Give me another drink. 
Are they going to really get in that argument, that Beyonce and Michael Jackson thing I heard walking in? That's ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. Beyonce is the truth, but Michael but, Jackson? Levine, <laughs> do you know that? Do you remember? Do you know that? I'm done. Ron the show will call me at any hour of the day. You know, if his show is on, because, you know, he says, I took his time slot. He'll call me at any hour during no, we his. Did, we did kind of rip off his time slot. I understand. Yeah, we got it. One time I was at the grocery store. Next day, happy hour, calling me about Rob Gronkowski and whether or not he's going to get traded from the New England Patriots. All, all kinds of questions. I'm blocking that guy's number from you. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of numbers, people are tweeting, people are texting. People want to know a tweet. What are the people asking? We had tweets from uh, the Arrowhead Pride listeners, I guess, and readers uh, today. First question came in from Odin's Child 13. Do you think Kareem Hunt is going to stay the starter once Ware gets back in full swing? Uh, yeah, the rushing leader is going to stay the starter. We'll move on from that. Wesley Helm, which rookie leads in snaps played? Barbara, I'll go to you. Which rookie leads in? That's Mahomes, right? Oh, no, he's no rookie. Rookie, he's a sophomore. Uh, Lord, it's all defense. It's got to be my man Speaks. Braylon Speaks. I'll go with O'Daniel, although I don't think these rookies are going to get as much playing time as we saw in the John Dorsey era, where they didn't just get playing time, but they had an impact right away. And real quick thought on Kareem Hunt. He wasn't just the best running back in the league last year. He was also the best, I guess, pass-catching running back in the league. He's awesome out of the backfield. Spencer Ware's good. Kareem Hunt is great. There's no way that he gives up his job. Spencer Ware does what he does. Kareem Hunt is a little bit more well-rounded. Who starts more games at outside linebacker? Speaks, Passigno, or D Ford? Uh, D Ford for the first half of the season, and then Speaks for the second half of the season. <sighs> Sean can't spell his name right. S H A W N <laughs> is incorrect. It's S E A M, but I will agree with him on this one. I think that's because D Ford, for some reason, this team wants him to succeed. He gets all the chances in the world. That's what happens when you're a first round draft pick. But if five, six games into this thing, he looks like the D4 that we've seen for most of his career. I think we're going to start to see guys like Speaks. Don't sleep on Passigno. If he's going to do it, this will be the year. I think this is his last chance. They basically drafted Speaks to replace him. Sean, just your guy. This is the year. Who do you think will be the OL starters week one? We pretty much know who it's going to be. It's either going to be Mitch Morse if he's healthy at center. If not, it'll be Cam Irving. But who starts at left guard? I think that's the question. I guess... I, Aaron, I don't know. I mean, the entire line is, is it, like you said, that's the one concern that we have that nobody wants to talk about because it's not fun to talk about a bunch of 300-pound uglies. It's a lot more fun to talk about guys that run four twos and that lead the league in yards and all that stuff. But to be fair, Eric Fisher, Parker Erringer, Mitch Morris, Lawrence Duvernay, Tarnieve, Mitch Schwartz, whoever it is on that line, I'm concerned. <sighs> Sean, left guard? I don't know. Kareem Hunt would tell you that uh, his his offensive line is underappreciated and under you know they, they're more deserving a lot more respect than they get around the league, uh, but I think you can put all eight names in a hat. Do you believe that though? Pick out five. You've, you've seen him play. Do you believe that they're they're they're, they're an okay offensive line at best, right? But they, they get it done. They get it done. They keep him clean until he gets a um, gets it built up, and then he's able to make somebody move. So I'm saying it don't really matter. Last question of the night from Buster. Think about this one. Who is the biggest sleeper player on the Chiefs? Someone other teams may look over i love that question a guy that i guess outsiders don't have huge expectations for but i do chris jones he was so good his first year and last year kind of took a step back there's no reason to me barbara that he's not elite this year once again 
Man, I'm going to go with Steven Nelson. I'm going to go with Steven Nelson, man. I think it's time to put up a shut up. Uh, I listened to him a couple times in the offseason. I think he's ready to, uh, to, to to blossom and grow and to be a, a full-time starter, uh, forced to be reckoned with as far as our secondary, and start the no-fly zone here in KC. I like Steven Nelson. He has a chip on his shoulder this year, but my pick, you look at this offense, who do we always talk about? We talk about Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt. Keep going. Nobody is looking at Chris Conley. I think he's a solid player, and he's going to be the guy that should be what? Wide open. Chris Con- Chris Conley is the player to watch. Thanks to all the guys from Arrowhead Pride, Matt Lane, Craig Stout. We broke it down with Ken Swanson, former Chief Sean Barber. Of course, Pete Sweeney, Sports Machine Sean Levine for Julio Sanchez. Same bat time, same bat channel. We'll talk to you next week at 6 o'clock. It's Arrowhead Pride Radio right here on 610 Sports Radio.